0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola.
1: All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785. 7914 is the text line. If you want to shoot me a text, because in here today I have the weatherman. Do you like you're not even the weatherman? Like, do you uh, Michael Kurz is in here? He's the warning coordination meteorologist up on the bluff at the National Weather Service, Lacrosse. Okay, when I'm writing this. And you I don't know, let's see your jacket, it says National Weather Service, but does it have lacrosse on it? Is it National Weather Service? Dash lacrosse, comma lacrosse. There there's no Space like lacrosse. trans there's no yeah. transition there. So it's like not really. <laughs> it could be like lacrosse's National Weather Service or something like that. But it's always it always bugs me. I usually put a dash in there uh, just to just because I, I don't know, like my it makes me itchy not to have any kind of like punctuation in there. <laughs> Anyway, you've been you've been in lacrosse for three years. You've been doing weather for thirteen, um, and I, you, I had you on because of two things. Uh, we're going to have some weather that isn't just basic coming right. up on on Christmas. Um, I talked to you last week a little bit, but I thought I'd have you on the PM show to talk about again December fifteenth, twenty twenty one. Which is probably, it, you said you said to me earlier, it ranks in the top five of all you guys up there on the hill. Uh, you're like top five w- weirdest weather phenomenons or weather systems or however you guys want to categorize it. So I want to recap December 15th, 2021 once again as we um, close out Rotary Lights here in a couple of weeks for the year. And it's the storm that took out Rotary Lights for the first time in its 28-year history, I think. Uh, but only took it out for a couple of days. Um. But before we do that, let's just kind of, let's let's go into uh, being a weatherman or a meteorologist. Is, is, first of all, weatherman, is that kind of like eye roll? Like, I'm not, a, it's not weather. I'm a meteorologist. Like
0: Meteorologist is the more preferred term. Right. Yeah. It's like
1: janitor versus custodian, maybe a little bit. Kind, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, where did you go to school? Where did you study? Are you from here?
0: Well, like, can you do your bio real quick? <laughs> sure. So I'm a Wisconsin native. I grew up in the Milwaukee area. And uh so, I got interested in weather from a young age, middle school. That's kind of watching borrowing all the library's VHS back then. The video was about tornadoes. That's what really got me. Wow, I want to study this more. And so, and seeing some tornado damage as a kid, too. That that just really got me interested. So, through college, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a meteorologist. I went to uh, University of Wisconsin Milwaukee, go Panthers. <laughs> and uh so, got my degree. Uh, went for my master's there too, in atmospheric science, and then got into the Weather Service uh, back in 2010.
1: Does it take about Does it take four years to get to for, become a meteorologist? Or be, is there schooling beyond that?
0: No. Well, for a traditional degree, <laughs> in it, yeah, four years is is typical. Um, there are a lot that go on for their masters, and that does help, you know, increase their edge getting into the Weather Service. But we hire anybody with at least a bachelor's degree in meteorology.
1: Um, I took a speech class in college at Stevens Point, and my partner for one of the speeches, well, he didn't have a speech. We came, He came to class that day. We had to give a speech, and he did have a speech. I was like, how do you not have a speech? And I was going to do who's on first. Mm-hmm. the Abbott. I think it's Abbott and Costello, right? Uh, but I was going to do both sides. And so I asked him, I'm like, hey, do you want to... So he did both sides. He did the other side with me. Who's on first? He'd never heard of it, and so we're doing. And this this doesn't make any sense at this point. That why I'm telling the story. Where. But he's like, "Who's on first? What's on second? You know, like, he, and he doesn't get the whole speech. Like he doesn't understand. It. He's never read it before. He's never seen it. And uh, late, years later, you know, we become Facebook friends or whatever. Years later, oh, he's the meteorologist in Eau Claire. So oh, like, no he kidding. just ends up being. <laughs> and I, I I don't know if he's there anymore. I kind of forgot his name. It's been over a decade. Uh, well, two decades. Jeez, it's been two decades since college. Sure. Uh, so, but you mentioned you got into this because of tornadoes. Did, were you impacted by a tornado at a young age?
0: No, not directly. But okay. you know, my uh, my grandparents growing up, my grandparents lived in central Wisconsin. So, you know, there's a, a fair amount of tornado activity every now and then that comes through there. And it was Watoma tornado, I believe it was in '92. And my grandparents lived just south of there, and I remember my grandpa taking me through. And we were looking at this F2 tornado damage at the time. And uh, so that stuck out as one of my earliest recollections of just kind of being, wow, the weather did this? That's pretty neat.
1: F2, little, right? Because yeah. you know, F5 is the biggest?
0: It's Yes, EF5. Back then it was just Fujita. Now it's enhanced Fujita scale. But, yeah, so, so back then it was equivalent to a strong tornado, not a violent one. But uh, it was just pretty amazing. And uh, I remember going through Oak. Oakdale, um, not Oakdale, uh, Oakfield, near Fond du Lac. After the, uh, that was the Wisconsin's most recent F5 or EF5 or stronger tornado, and that was in '96. So we haven't had that strong of a tornado in the state since '96. But I do remember my dad taking me through there and seeing a two by four impaled through a wall, and so. From there on, my interest just grew, and like I said, watching all the tornado videos from the library over and over again in middle school, and yeah, that's where it all took off for me.
1: Most importantly, uh, out of this uh, best tornado movie for me would be Twister. I don't know if you have a do you have a top three tornado movies? Because I can only I'm looking at a list here, and I don't know if you can see. I kind of try to enlarge it. There's not very many good tornado movies, so Twister sticks out to me. The only other one that really sticks out to me is Sharknado. Which you know, has to be uh, a talking point for the National Weather Service when that came out, right? Did you guys watch Sharknado? To
0: this day, I have not brought myself to watch Sharknado. Really? Oh my god! It's, <laughs> it's comically
1: bad. It's so painful. bad. It's good. No, it's so good. It's so bad. It's good. I mean, there's there's at least three of them. I think there might be four Sharknado. So
0: I might have to take a look now yeah. after you say it. But yeah, I see the day after tomorrow too. Yeah, that one was. It's hard being a scientist and watching some of these, but. You know, there, there is some real-life uh, truth to some of the things in Twister, but, uh, of course, a lot of it's just Hollywood. But
1: Twister is more... Was Twister a storm chaser movie? That there was a chaser,
0: yeah. yeah, where they're trying to do research and get the, the data from it all. Does every
1: but, one of you guys that works in the Weather Service, at one point you wanted to be a storm chaser of some, point, of some sort?
0: You know, a lot of us have at least gone out and done some storm chasing. I did that in college. I went with a group of classmates and... Uh, we got to see one a week one in southern Indiana but we did see a tornado nonetheless. So
1: now was this like a We're a bunch of college kids we're going to go storm chase and be, bring some Miller lights and not
0: <laughs> Or was <laughs> no, it an actual class project? It was like, an class actual project? class project. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, the we were part of I was part of the Atmospheric Science Club at UW Milwaukee and and every spring they get together and uh, organize going on a storm chase just for partly for the experience um not thrill-seeking, but just to put what you learned in the classroom, put it into practice. So I got an opportunity to do that, and uh, unfortunately, well, I guess fortunately, however you want to look at it, but from our standpoint, unfortunately, the weather wasn't too active, but it was following, it was like a year following Hurricane Katrina, and so we decided after the little bit of severe weather we did see, we went down to the Gulf Coast and just looked at the magnitude of Wind damage from Hurricane Katrina, and that was something else.
1: Yeah, definitely. 608-785-7914 is the text line. If any of you uh, have questions for Michael Kurz, meteorologist there at the National Weather Service on the Cross. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll just we'll just continue this conversation.
0: Oh, the weather outside is frightful.
1: Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I don't know how many movies. Anyone listening, like how many movies are as bad as Sharknado that they're good? Like what? I couldn't. I couldn't come up with the the worst movies of all time that are so bad they're good. But Sharknado has got to be in the top ten.
0: I'll um, take your word for that one so, until I see it. Yeah. yeah,
1: and it's one of those. Yeah, you know what? And then you should watch it, and then maybe uh, we'll have you back just to re- we'll just review it. I'll just call you up. We don't have to do a whole show. We on might Sharknado. not have enough time to cover all the. <laughs> you could take notes. Detailed notes on No, I don't think you could because it's so it's it's not gonna be that. I mean, Twister you could probably take notes on and you could break down the movie Twister and go, This is crap, this is false, this doesn't this doesn't happen. Uh, tornadoes don't do that. Uh 608-785-7914 is the talk uh, the text line, Michael Kurz, he's the warning coordinator, meteorologist at the National Weather Service in the Cross up on the bluff what's a typical day like for uh, you guys up there i mean when you're a meteorologist are you just staring at the radar it seems to be you're just staring at the radar and trying to guess where it's going to go next or whatever i mean what's going to come or what's that's, you know, that's okay. part of it
0: yeah. yeah i mean there's a lot that goes in and it's a lot of sitting in front of your computer screen all day but there's so much to look at not only what's going on now because that gives us an idea of you know where things are moving and and what's to come when you look upstream but Aside from that, we're looking at all the weather model information that comes in. We're looking at observations from across the country to see, you know, what's heading our direction. As these systems are developing, like the system that we're expecting for later this week, we're watching that, seeing what comes in. So we look at satellite imagery, we look at radar imagery, surface observations, all, all sorts of things. And we're not just dealing with the weather. We're not just looking at that. A large part of our job is also communicating and giving that information to the our partners that need to know that. We, we serve exclusively a lot of our, our government partners, emergency managers, uh, are a huge component. So we serve 28 counties, and so we're serving individually each county's emergency manager, but also Department of Transportation, uh, highway departments, they need to know about the weather, schools, a whole bunch of people. Uh, groups that we serve and make sure that they understand the forecast, what it means to them and what they can expect.
1: Okay. So I'll throw this at you. I've heard that. Okay. So you have the national weather service. You guys are, you know, top, on top of the ranking, so to speak. I don't know if you're, you're competing, but people the, the AccuWeather, the weather channel, they're getting their data from you and then they're just manipulating it a little bit. To make it unique to them that's that's one of the things as we i don't want to do this the the tropes that we hear with meteorologists but that's one of the things that i've here is like the national weather service is the most accurate and then everything beyond that like accuweather is these private businesses they're just manipulating it a little bit so it looks unique to them how inaccurate is that thought process
0: so what i will say is we we are all a team enterprise the whole weather industry whether you're talking about National Weather Service, as federal government um, weather forecasters, or if you're talking about what we call the private sector, the AccuWeather, the Weather Channel, and uh, things of that nature, but we're all in this weather industry collectively trying to get that information out to to the folks out that need to know what's coming their way, so they can make the preparations they need to. Um, so there's no, we're not competing. You know, we're we're not in the business of trying to compete with with businesses. Um, But, you know, there is shared information, the weather information that that all comes originates from the National Weather Service, all the weather models and things like that. that The whole industry looks at those originate with the National Weather Service. So a lot of the data comes from us. But, yeah, everybody out there uh, in those fields are degreed meteorologists.
1: Is it is it the the data comes from? The national weather service or, or the, the equipment you have essentially and then is it just a matter of inter who interprets what like you're gonna interpret you might interpret something one way and, and a meteorologist at the weather channel might just see something else and then maybe you guys collab and go hey you're you're seeing this and we're seeing this like what's what are we missing or who's missing what
0: yeah it is an imperfect science you know admittedly so everybody each forecaster that approaches looking at a scenario it is subjective. You know, one might interpret, well, this looks stronger than what I've seen in the past before, so it's going to do this. You know, we, we each approach it individually based on our training, our experience. So, but in the end, most of the time, our forecasts aren't going to disagree too much. You know, you know, flipping through channels, and you might see uh, one meteorologist calls for this much snow and another one on a different channel calls for that much snow. So subtle differences like that. But in general, you know, we kind of all arrive in the same ballpark.
1: Okay, up at the National Weather Service of Lacrosse, I know a lot of you guys are like thirty-year veterans of the weather, and then you're kind of in the middle. You've been doing this thirteen yep. years, and then from my conversations with you, there's a couple of young bucks in there. I don't know. I don't know how young or how many years of experience. Okay, so who who has obviously the guys that have been there for thirty years are, are going to have you know the most experience. They're probably going to have just like a bigger say in what goes on. But also they've been around for 30 years. So like, are these the guys that are on the dial up internet, so to speak? You know, they're where they, are they, <laughs> the young kids come in and go, we just learned this in college. You know, we're fresh out of college a couple of years and we, you know, we're doing this. And you, the, the older guys in there are like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Or are you guys all kind of trained on the same, like you're all on the same level in that, in, in terms of being up to date on, on stuff going
0: on? Yeah, that's the neat thing about our field is that, as technology advances, there's always new developments, new forecasting approaches. So a lot of the hard and fast rules, they still apply. You know, they, that's not going to go away. But there's new approaches to some things like, uh, trying to think of an example off the top of my head, but um, with radar, radar technology has advanced since I joined the National Weather Service 13 years ago. Uh, and so that's gotten more sophisticated. And it's a new tool in the toolbox, um, some of these developments are. Mm-hmm. And so we, we go through the same kind of training, whether you've been in for 30 years, whether you're just starting out. We kind of all go through the same training when things are rolled out and new applications come to light. So that, that's the neat thing, that there's always something new to learn and apply in our field. He calls it
1: neat. Other than that, you're like crap. I got to go to another training. (laughs) There is some
0: component of that sometimes.
1: And (laughs) the the joke I want to make is like Mike Hayes has been doing this this show in the morning for 35 years. Well, if you look over there, he's got like these these whole pieces of paper like the like I don't even know what you call those. I can't I can't think right now. But he's printing stuff out. I have printed pieces of paper (laughs) on my desk from Mike in the morning. I'm not printing anything. Like I don't use paper. I've got everything on a Google Doc and and that's in ever all the links and you brought in paper but yeah I, you don't have the uh, ability to bring just in know. case yeah I you didn't know, didn't know if, if you to you bring your laptop but i <laughs> could have ripped on you for bringing in a bunch of paper um <laughs> all right so i want to talk about uh, as we approach the holidays this weekend sunday being christmas obviously um national weather Service has put a couple of things out on their face uh facebook and twitter or social media pages and I don't know. who. First of all, who's is someone at the office in charge of social media? Is that a team effort? Because social media is really good for you guys.
0: Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, it is a team effort. We're all um, trained in, in communicating these kinds of impacts and how best to do it. So uh, we've got a lot of skilled folks on our staff that uh, can put together graphics and uh, how to message that and, and get the uh, important information across to our followers. So yeah, shout out for our, our Facebook and Twitter accounts or Instagram. Give us a follow.
1: Well, who, uh, who drew the Christmas tree then, or did you get that out of Shutter, Shutterfly? Or uh...
0: There was, <laughs> I believe he's in Alaska. There's a talented individual up there with the weather service that put this out for a whole bunch of uh, locations across the country that wanted their white Christmas climatology in a cute little graphical form.
1: So we made a guy from Alaska do every, no, you guys probably put the data together, but you had to like, yeah. you had to copy and paste all the, well, he put the, the years up. And then, um, well, let's talk about that. Like we're going to have a white Christmas this year. I think it's the, well, I could look, I suppose. um We, we haven't had a ton of white Christmases over the past five years. Um, But we're going to have more than just a white Christmas this year. Santa's probably going to have to put booties on the reindeer because their feet are going to get frozen.
0: Yeah, I hope he can find it because it's going to be white all over, no doubt. Uh, With this next, uh, even if we weren't getting additional snow, most of the area still has this lingering snow on the ground, even on the trees, yet. It's just sticking there frozen. So, but with this incoming system for later this week uh, I'm going to go on the record and say 100% chance for a white christmas this year
1: no oh, yeah <laughs> um and it's and as you were walking in here before the show it was starting to snow are we going to see you know not to make you do the like the the weather forecast but it sounds like we're, we're going to get snow a couple of days here leading into christmas and then also uh the wind chill according to your your social media is we're going to be between like negative 25 and negative I think I thought I saw 45 degrees, but um, negative 45 wind chill at it's, this point.
0: Yes, it's looking oh very, negative 40. Yep, it's looking very cold. This is going to be one of the coldest Christmases in in recent times. So that's the one thing that we do want to get out is that people are prepared for the cold because uh, from here on out, Tuesday through uh, late week, it's just going to be getting colder, progressively colder and colder. So. Those that are going outside, traveling, you, you got to be prepared for this uh, incoming Arctic blast.
1: Yeah, like, uh, you, and you shared some of those tips. Like, have have boots, mittens, everything in your car, just in case your car doesn't shut down, and make sure your tires are filled up. Uh, do you, did you write down the record coldest Christmas? Do you have
0: that in front of you? Or? I do. Yep, uh, our coldest Christmas on record in La Crosse, and this goes back to like all the way back when records began. Uh, this is from 1872, but the coldest Christmas was 37 below zero. In 1872, or In 1872. So the, how old is that? The oldest record we have is that the oldest date. I believe that's as far back or very close to that as lacrosse temperature records go back.
1: Okay, so 1872 was what negative or 37, below, 37 below. below. Yeah. See, I get rip on because I say negative 37, and everyone's like, "No, it's 37 below." <laughs> um, all right, 37 below zero. But are we going to get below zero? because wind chill is one thing but temperature right. wise you guys didn't put that on the page because yes. it's not as
0: exciting. Temperatures are are not likely to get near that cold but what's what's interesting is you know we're going to be down we'll probably have some sub zero temperatures for sure but the the winds are just going to be intense behind the system as it pulls out and so late week into the weekend it's it's going to be very uncomfortable to just be outside. It won't be still. It won't be just a crisp, still, cold morning. It's going to be blowing and howling and very uncomfortable.
1: My dogs are already doing the thing where they raise their paws because it's yeah. so cold on the ground. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the text line if you want to get in. Michael Kurz is in here with me from the National Weather Service in La Crosse. So when we come back, we're going to recap. Speaking of high winds, right? crazy winds, uh, we're going to recap that storm that, that came through the uh, came through the area a year ago last week. Uh, one of the top five storms of all time for these guys at the National Weather Service.
0: Cold outside. This evening has been been- we
1: haven't canceled this song yet. Not not here on Wisdom anyway. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk is the text line. Michael Kurz is in here with me. He's the Warning Coordination Meteorologist at the National Weather Service. We were talking about TV weather and how uh, devoted how much how much the tv news devotes to the weather um and i will say i'm just using an app <laughs> or i'm just googling weather in my zip code depending on where i am um i don't know do you guys have to think about that a lot like how people are consuming the weather in different ways and and changing changing things you do at the national weather service just the but, but basically you're the like the data people so maybe you don't have to think about that as much
0: well, we, we do uh, think about that. And, you know, like NOAA Weather Radio, for instance, but decades ago that was a huge source of weather information. And nowadays a lot of people don't even know what is no Weather Radio. I've never heard of that before. But that old, you know, you have a little radio and it goes off when a warning is issued and you can listen to the forecast. Oh,
1: this, the that's what these red voice. lights are for right here when we get that.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. That's, yeah. that's with that. So, you know, different people uh, from... Different age groups have their preference of, of how they get their weather information, and a lot of times now it's just I want it at my fingertips. So, you know, people use mobile phones all the time to, to pull up their app and get their information, and/or uh, weather.gov is, is ours. So, yeah,
1: is that that weather warning lady is she weird to talk to at the, in La Crosse County? There is a storm system like that person. There, there must be weird to talk to when when you're at the National Weather Service, right? Well,
0: that's uh, <laughs> that's our automated uh, little voice there. <laughs>
1: no, I'm just kidding. Um, is that on that white on that white one? Is that the can you grab the sheet off of there? That's the weather. So like, <laughs> there's our weather. Yep. I was talking to you about this the other day. I think just a, the so that's what we get in the morning, and I look at that, and it's like rain before four. Then flurries and snow after five, like the the way that that's that's written out. Somebody needs to change that because when you talk about like how we consume the weather, we print that off and then we have to rewrite the whole. Try to read thing. it.
0: That is one of the the downfalls because that part is automated. The, yeah. the forecasters put effort into creating the forecast, but it's different. You know, we're not thinking of each city and putting out putting together a forecast individually yeah, for every be city. It would be. I mean, we cover 28 counties, so no, it's it's all done in graphical form and then our formatters will take what we have in in graphical form and it pulls that and it p- tries to put it into nice sounding words but it doesn't always read smoothly for radio unfortunately so i apologize for that <laughs>
1: and then <laughs> and then the weather changes pretty pretty quickly uh, at times probably like hourly you might you might have a totally different thing going on
0: yep there are times when we're in there updating the forecast every hour when things are rapidly changing so it all depends. All depends on the day. All right.
1: So a year ago, how how now? When we talked last week, you you have about four people working on any given normal shift, right? Four or five people at the actually national weather? about two. Oh, yeah. two. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then when this storm a year ago on December fifteenth, that the storm that took out rotary lights, it was uh, it was really hot out. It was like seventy degrees. If anyone can imagine it being seventy degrees out right now, and then um, there were huge winds and multiple tornadoes you had you had double digits people working national weather service that day
0: we did yeah systems like that that's the neat thing about our agency is we are so driven by our mission national weather service mission is to protect life and property and that just drives each of us so you know even when we're tired and and there's been busy weather for days that's what motivates us to get up and and go in and and work round the clock to to serve our constituents and so that day when it's Everything coming together that that could possibly come together poorly in terms of weather, when we are expecting huge impacts, we're staffing up, and so we had uh, eight to ten people, I believe, just in there during that actual severe weather event.
1: I'm going to try to I'm going to try to sum it up. I, I always do this. I'm going to try to sum it up, even though I have the expert in here to do it. But uh, it snowed a lot right before December 15th, and then it all melted, and then that day we had. Super high winds, super hot temperatures, uh, thunder and lightning storm, thunderstorms, I believe. Um, The first ever derecho, if I pronounce that right, derecho. derecho, yeah. And then, um, whereas your 28 county area has never had a December tornado, then we had 27 of them. Yes. So we broke the record by 27. Um. Any like is that a is that a pretty good summation of of what happened on the, uh, leading up and before these de- de- or leading up to and on December fifteenth? Yeah. Am I mean missing that, anything? In a
0: nutshell, uh, we had cats and dogs. <laughs> really, you, it Frogs. seemed like everything but the kitchen sink. Everything and the kitchen sink. Um, but yeah, we had the, the big thing that day going into it was the um, how warm it was, which led to that. Unex- well, not unexpected, but unprecedented severe weather event in the evening and then followed that by a little bit of a lull we actually had the strong winds that were coming into our area we actually had a period where there was some smoke that people could smell and that was tied to what the system had done over the central plains that day causing a bunch of wildfires with and just those strong winds just bringing that smoke right into our region so that was unusual and then Oh, all night long after that, we had those strong winds following all that.
1: Where was the wildfires?
0: There were some in were the central plains. Oh, the central plains. Yeah, okay. so more like Kansas and, and Colorado area, I think.
1: Okay, so west of here a little bit, west southwest of here. Yep. Um, is it weird to get smoke from that way? I don't know. Like It doesn't matter, right? Any, any,
0: it all, Yeah, it the, all depends on where the winds are coming from. But that day, with the strong southwest winds we were getting that brought all the warmth in, uh, that's what brought that smoke directly into our area.
1: How many things had to collide to create the thing that happened on December 15, 2021?
0: Boy, I wish I could tell you. It was just like everything came together just perfectly in a weather sense to create this huge system with just multifaceted impacts, uh, the likes of which we hadn't seen before. And quite honestly, I hope we don't see that kind of impact again
1: now when i talked to you last week i don't know if you looked this up what did you break the record for breaking records in a day do you did you look it up i, mean, uh, re- I
0: wish i had that would be an impossible up. one to we, don't, up, we don't we don't right? keep records record uh, keeping of how many records were broken. <laughs> i mean
1: it's safe to say we might have right we because prob-
0: we had if there was any day that would have been the day for sure
1: so we had 27 tornadoes when we didn't have one before that and i would say that's almost 27 records right there but it's yeah. one record Minnesota had never, the whole state of Minnesota had never had a December tornado, and it had, I don't know how many of those 27 tornadoes were in Minnesota, but it, at least one, and it's never had one before, the whole state. Um, it, for, and it was the first December derecho in the United States. And people, the first thing everyone's, and you'll have to explain it, what the bleep is a derecho.
0: It's basically, you've got straight line winds. You know, people have probably heard that term before. So winds that are generally out of the same direction but this is such a large, severe weather system, usually a line of storms that spans over 200 miles. And as it's pushing through, it just causes tremendous widespread damaging winds uh, across such a large area. So that's, in a nutshell, what, what a derecho is classified as.
1: That's kind of boring. It's just winds.
0: <laughs> it's, it's very large winds, yeah, straight-line wind damage. So the,
1: the first ever derecho is just, uh, we, we just had a lot of wind. Or straight wind, or does it have to hit a certain mile per hour?
0: No, it doesn't. It just, uh, in terms of the magnitude of damage that it leaves behind, you know, you need a, a basically a line of damaging winds for over 200 miles that oh, okay. races forward. So, a very large areas impacted. And on this day, we had so many 75 plus mile per hour wind gusts across the whole region that set a record at that point. Because we've never had that many since at least 2004, um, so that was just unprecedented. The number of strong winds with those line of storms, um, and uh, that was just recently surpassed in this past May with another derecho. You know, these are typically we're talking about June, July, in the hottest, most humid time of the year, and this happened in December, and that was just so unusual.
1: I think you told me no, but did the amount of snow that we had a couple of days before that and then it all melting play some kind of factor in, in messing up the atmosphere to create this or not really?
0: Mel- with it melting away, it actually primed the atmosphere for being ready to be able to produce those strong thunderstorms that day um, because uh, getting rid of that real cold layer with the snow at the surface, that really helped to get the storms ready to go.
1: And I, I've learned now, too, when when you have a storm system like this, uh, w- while in the back of your minds, you guys are probably all, like, itching to get the, at the data and try to figure out what actually happened, when it's happening or leading up, you, you kind of know the impact that this is going to have. And this is actually, like, scary for you guys, right? I mean, this when this is coming, not scary for you guys, but scary in general for the public.
0: Yeah, well, it is to a degree. It's it's also kind of scary to us when we're thinking about what could happen out of this system. And I remember I was working the midnight shifts going into that event. So after putting together all our messaging, and and I got done with my shift that morning on December 15th, and I went home, normally I'd go to bed right away and try to get as much sleep as I can during the day. But I just I, I had such a pit in my stomach about thinking what could come from this later in the day, and uh, so I had a hard time sleeping. I woke up eventually, and I just had to get out and clear my head. Went for a walk, and I, I've never been sweaty from a walk in December, but it was so humid and uncomfortably warm that day. It was just very ominous feeling because we knew with all this heat, with all this humidity bad bad storms are likely and uh, indeed that's what happened
1: see when my head does that i turn on the big bang theory and just leave that on so i can go to sleep because i just turn the most mindless tv show that's on. that's a that good I way
0: to yeah
1: <laughs> scrubs <laughs> big bang just like mindless mindless tv that i can i can listen to and not have to pay attention all right when we come back i want to talk about like i'll let you set this up we want to talk about like the imp- after the impact like did the, the how you guys I, I guess like gather the data and, and and kind of figure out what what the hell happened, right? Like you kind of know what's yeah. happening, but after the fact, there's more work. Oh, there's a more, lot
0: of work. More of the work happens that was after the, the fact. The biggest right? workload we've ever had after a system like that.
1: This is what we're gonna have, Mike. Right? Like, but but maybe not this nice and oh, it's gonna be a. Nice it's white. gonna
0: be whipping around White Christmas. <laughs>
1: I need the well, yeah. I need like the techno version of this song maybe for White Christmas because it's <laughs> going to be windy and cold. The,
0: the good news is, I mean, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday might be a little bit iffy. Well, Thursday and Friday especially. But heading into Christmas itself, things look like they're calming down. It'll still be cold for sure, but it's not going to be as brutal as yeah. when the snow is first coming.
1: And that's both good and bad, because I think a lot of people go house to house on Christmas Day, but also a lot of people like me will be traveling during those days before Christmas to get home. Right. Um, all right, so December 15, 2021, the storm that took out rotary lights, I like to call it. Do you guys name the thing? Like, this was the... Like, whatever. No,
0: and in fact, we kind of struggle with that because we don't do naming conventions. So yeah. when I was putting together a summary, I'm like... What should we refer to this as? Uh, I just all I could come up with was record-shattering storm.
1: Right. But <laughs> yeah, and I say the storm that took out Rotary Lights because it's never happened before. And, <laughs> and two days later, like I, th- I think uh, Pat Stevens with the Rotary Lights has told us, like forty people showed up. That to- forty of his newest friends had showed up down at Riverside Park to help put uh, essentially Humpty Dumpty back together again. And we had Rotary Lights for the last year. Um, okay, so the storm happens, but then real the real work begins after the fact. Like what are you guys besides looking at like, oh wow, the the ice castle tipped over. um what are you what are you gathering after the fact because I feel like you want all the data that's that the the satellites and whatever whatever's recording the wind and storms, but what are you doing after the fact that that uh, to to kind of sum this up?
0: So you know, usually after a severe weather event, you just kind of need to take a deep breath, like, okay. We're done. Let's let's evaluate what happened. Big picture perspective here, and so we look at radar typically, and and we'll go through and see where the the strongest parts of the storms went through. But the big thing right after the fact is gathering information, storm reports, where would the damage occur? So we oftentimes will solicit our, our trained spotters. We'll ask the public, did you have damage in your area? You know, what kind of damage did you have? With that event, it was so widespread. The damage was just unprecedented in terms of damage across our whole area and not only from the severe winds that came through with those storms but then after the fact we had gusts uh, coming through overnight of still rip roaring to you know 60 plus miles per hour so we had additional damage that wasn't storm related come in overnight and again I was on the midnight shift so we had no time in between after the storms came through and left and then we get into the high winds overnight so we had no time to take our usual when we would do an assessment of what happened. Is and, that
1: is that important to assess the damage that happened from the thing? And because after the fact is going to be more things that are going to damage more, like that another system is coming through, and that's going to be a whole another, you know, like a, a storm system that you're going to have to measure.
0: Sometimes in the summer months it is like that, and you got to try to get out and do your damage surveys before the next round of storms might come through. But this one was just because of the time of year, we had to, we go out and do damage surveys when we suspect there's tornadoes. And so we had to get out and do that the following day. Normally, we'd try to prepare a nice organized send-off for the team that's going out on the roads. Here's where all the damage is. This is where you want to go. These are the emergency managers you want to talk to. But there was no time that night, and there were only two of us working the overnight. And uh, so... The day crew came in and we had like three separate teams that went out doing damage surveys. And when I say teams, we were so short staffed because of the time of year, people needing to take their holiday leave and and things. So a lot of people went out individually from our office to do this. Um, So looking at damage and the time of year, we were in the shortest time, shortest daylight of, of the year yeah, and so, it's not
1: nice and warm. Well, it was warm out that day, but I think it got cold after right after that, that.
0: Yeah, it was getting it, cold. It and turned back into December snow again. <laughs> and, yeah, so it was it was never before con- seen conditions when we're going and doing damage surveys like that. And, and
1: again, you had 27 tornadoes. So, and you probably didn't know there we were literally We didn't know that yeah. at
0: the time. You know, we thought, you know, you probably at least a handful, but as we got into this, it took a whole month. We've never had that kind of effort, but it took a whole month to go through it all and sift through and get out and see where all the damage occurred. We were also using satellites with their passes coming through and give us some good, clear, high-resolution satellite imagery on the non-cloudy days, which are few and far between in December, as we all know. So putting all that together, it it took a lot.
1: 27 tornadoes, the most weird thing, or the derecho? The weirdest thing.
0: (sighs) I think both collectively. It's hard to separate them.
1: All right, that's Michael Kerr's. Warning coordinator at the National Weather Service in La Crosse. Thanks, Mike.